Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Star Blades. I'm Steve Jones, one of the Star Sports reporters, and as always, I'm joined by our Sheffield United correspondents, James Shield and Danny Hall. Guys, it feels like there's been a few big talking points this week. Um, let's start with Wednesday. James, are you over it yet, first of all? <laughs> yeah, a difficult night, wasn't it? Uh, a very difficult night. Uh, not the Not the start. I think that Sheffield United wanted to the season, certainly not the result uh, that they, they wanted at West Bromwich Albion. I think the concerning thing for me about that game was, or the most disappointing thing is that, listen, let's be honest, at this stage of the season, that game should have been a flip of the coin game. It should have been about two pretty evenly matched teams, both of whom will be looking or were looking to get into the Top two of the championship this season, both of whom were relegated last season. So you could say it was a little bit of a gauge about where each team was, you know, respectively in terms of challenging to get back. But ultimately, so early on, it was a it should have been a flip of the coin game. It should have been about which team turned up on the night. You would have expected there to have been possibly one goal in it either way. You probably wouldn't have been stunned if it was a draw. Uh but it was a it was a no contest. When I say no contest, I don't mean that in the boxing sense. If it had been a boxing match, it would have been probably called off at, at half time. Uh, even though there was, uh, even though there wasn't an awful lot in it in terms of the scoreline by then, there certainly was an awful lot in it in terms of the quality of the play. Listen, I'm, I think looking at the bigger picture rather than just West Brom, I, I've heard lots of people talk about, you know, the the mood within the Sheffield United camp. I've heard lots of people tell me that it's good that they've recovered from what happened last season when they were getting beaten on a, on a pretty regular basis. And I think it's important to say this in front of a worldwide audience as well in the Premier League. They were relegated. They were relegated well. Uh, as I say, I've heard lots of players, lots of people associated with the club tell me they're over that now. There's no hangover. I'm going on the evidence of my own eyes. They look like a team a squad that is used to getting beat and that is almost going on the pitch expecting to get beat. Uh, I think there are still mental scars from what happened last season. I think there is a hangover. And I think the ways to possibly solve that, well, there's two ways, isn't there? One is to bring in possibly four or five new players who aren't carrying the burden of that relegation. That's the quick fix. That's the quick way of improving the mood. Uh, I think the other way is that you don't bring in players, which is what Sheffield United have done. Uh, you know, they've brought one in, in, in Ben Davis. And then I think if you do that, you have to expect it's going to take time to get over that because the only thing that does get you over a, an experience like last season, when, as I say, you're getting beaten on a pretty regular basis, is winning on a regular basis. Not once or twice here or there, but piecing together four, five or six wins in a row. And that will take time, I think, if they uh, if they stay with the, uh, the current squad. I hope I'm wrong, but as I say, Steve, I'm going on the evidence of my own eyes and I, I think it will be a long process. Yeah, Danny, just let's bring you in. How concerning is it to be thumped so heavily so early on in the season? Well, yeah, I don't think anyone would 
would choose to to suffer that kind of experience, would they, so early in the, in the season? Uh, let's hope, I suppose, trying to put some kind of positive spin on it, that, you know, maybe they have bottomed out now. Maybe this is the, the south end at home under Chris Wilder. Maybe this is the, the lowest point and, you know, it can only go up from here. I mean, let's all hope that's the case. Um, I mean, the most... The most concerning thing for me, apart from the scoreline, which is obvious, is the fact that you know United to me looked like they were they were bullied from from minute one. I know we was all we all heard in the build up about West Brom's physical approach and how they were going to bombard United, and that's how it panned out. But United in the Championship, you know, we've seen them in the Premier League last season. We've seen them outplayed, but to me anyway, we've very seen very rarely seen them outfought and outbattled, and that happened. On, on Wednesday evening, um, you know, forget the scoreline if you can for a minute. You know, the manner of it was also very concerning. You know, it wasn't like, you know, a game where it was quite even for long periods and then West Brom pulled away late on. You know, I, I turned to the lad next to me after about half an hour and said, this could be not trying to, you know, give myself as some kind of football sidekick. But we pinned early on that this could be, you know, three, four, five nil just because of the manner of, of everything really, the way the crowd were getting behind West Brom, their kind of high pressing, tub thumping football, you know, United just couldn't seem to seem to deal with it from where we were sitting. So it is concerning. Uh, like I said, the hope, the hope from my point of view, and everyone connected with Sheffield United, will be that you know this is as bad as it gets. Uh, the only way is up. Maybe Slab's learned a lot about his players, learned a lot about how big the task is now, uh, and like. Jim rightly pointed out there, he needs he needs help. You know, he, he said on numerous occasions he wants five new players. We are what eleven days now till the transfer window ends, and he has one. Uh, you know, as he said earlier in the season after the Doncaster friendly, the time for talking is done, and now now is the time for action. You know, on the pitch and very much possibly more pressing off it as well. Only team yet to score in the championship. James, we were going to come on to transfers in a bit, but I'll, I'll mention it now. Is, have the club left it too late to try and bring five new players in? Uh, well, it's never it's never too late, but they've certainly made it very difficult for themselves, Steve, because, you know, they've made it clear by words and actions that they're, they're, they're going to focus on the loan market. Uh, and, you know, loans, they, well, not just loans, they Every transfer deal takes time to put together. And, you know, I'm assuming that they're going to be going after some some players that are quality players. So they, they're going to be in demand as well. Uh, listen, I hope I'm wrong. I can't see them bringing in another four now. I, I, I think they have left it too late in terms of that. I, I, I will, will be delighted to be proved wrong. I, I really will, and I hope I am. But I think what I think what's happened here as well is... and and. Danny, I'm, I'm, I know will agree with me on this because we're, we're sort of talking on the same page, really. But it's almost when you talk about breaking up this squad that has done so well for the football club and has given the fans and those of us who cover it so much to smile and write about over the past sort of two, three, four, five years, it's almost taken as a criticism. It's not. Every single squad, every some of the greatest squads in the game they all need a refresh at times. They all need just a little bit of rejuvenating. Look at what Sir Alex Ferguson did at Manchester United when they were at their pomp. You know, he did that. It, it, it's almost, it's not shock therapy. It just helps keep focus, 
within the group. It helps keep standards high. And Sheffield United need that now. They look, that group, I'm not saying they're bad players because they're not. There's some hugely talented footballers in that squad. But they look, they look as if they've gone stagnant. And as I said earlier in this piece, they look to me as if they're mentally beaten. I don't think calibre and quality is the issue here. I genuinely think it's quality, it's, it's, it's confidence. Uh, and I could rattle off several examples to, that, that would illustrate that. I don't think I need to. I think most of the listeners and the and the viewers will know the players that I'm talking about. But as Danny quite rightly said, you know, when you appoint Slavisa Jukanovic as well, you know what you're getting. You're getting a coach. He's not a man motivator who's going to sort of, I know I'm, I'm generalising here, but who's going to kick down the dressing room doors and, grab a player and have him up by, you know, grab him by the throat and put him up against the dressing room wall. He's he's a man, he's a coach who makes good players better through through process. And I think that as well was why it was such a mistake to allow a high quality manager who was by far and away the best candidate for the job. Look at what he's done elsewhere in English football. Look at what he's done elsewhere in European and also Asian football been a success in all of them and that's why I think it was such a mistake because you know he's going to change things he's getting criticized for that now everyone at the end of last season ourselves included myself included was saying change it let's change something let's see if that works and if you want to affect that change I think he needs to be able to bring in some new players doesn't need to completely change the squad but I think you know the and the core of it can remain but it, it it just looks like a, a, a group that has stagnated, as simple as. Danny, one more on Slav and, and the start of the season before we move on to the other major talking point this week. I know speaking to yourself and James before the start of the season, you were expecting things to be a bit slow. Were you expecting it to be this slow? <laughs> um, Possibly not. Possibly not. I think, you know, we'd have possibly expected a goal by now. That is for sure. <laughs> Um, I don't think that's too much to ask either. What's that? Sorry, I don't think that's too much to ask. No, I don't think so. Um, yeah, I, I, possibly not as slow as it is now. Uh, you know, I think there are still extenuating circumstances that to take into account, but I think those excuses are getting less relevant by the week. I think you know, with performances like Wednesday night, they certainly won't wash. Uh, I don't think you can put that down to missing a couple of preseason games. What happened on? On Wednesday night. Um, so let's move on to the other talking point this week, Aaron Ramsdale. James, in your view, twenty-four million pounds up front, six million in add-ons. Is that good business? Well, listen, in in, in a purely football uh, footballing sense, no, it's not good business because Sheffield United have just lost their first choice goalkeeper. So I'm not going to dress it up and try and pretend that it's a good thing for the football club. It isn't. It's, uh, it's a very bad thing for the football club because they've lost one of the most talented young players in England. They've lost somebody who Gareth Southgate clearly thinks is the fourth best goalkeeper, full stop, forget the young bit, <laughs> in England. And a player who will only get better. Uh, he's, he's 23. He's, a, he's an absolute baby in terms of, uh, in, a, in a goalkeeping sense. So, no, it's, it's, it's not good business in a, in a footballing sense. No, far from it. But... I think it was. I think it was inevitable to a degree. I, it, I don't like to say this, but until there's a, 
and again, this isn't a criticism, it's just an observation, until there's a, a huge change in the circumstances at Sheffield United in terms of the division that they're in and how long they're in it for and how long they've been in it for and the money that they can spend. And I'm not talking about transfer fees here, I'm talking about wages. Forget about transfer fees. That That's not a sign of a club's ambition anymore because you can pick good players up on a free because players know, all know how to work that market now. We've seen that with John Lundstrom. It's the wages that you pay. That that's, That is the big sign of ambition and a club's financial wherewithal now. So I think it was inevitable in some sense, if you look at Aaron's career progression, that he was going to outgrow Sheffield United. I'm delighted that for him on a, on a personal sense, I'm gutted for Sheffield United. I'm delighted for him in a personal sense because... Listen, we're not best mates or anything. We, we we didn't go out for a drink or a coffee or see each other and call each other on a regular basis. I'm not going to pretend that. But, you know, having got to know Aaron a little bit and seen him at close quarters over the, you know, over the past 12 months in particular, he's a really good kid. I, say, I can say kid now at my age. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's a really good kid. He's very grounded. He's very humble. And he's somebody that, on a personal level, I really do hope and really do want to see do well. Uh, and I hope he does. The The only concern for me is that it's all... Listen, he couldn't turn this move down, but it's almost... I just wonder if it's going to be a case of right club, wrong time, because that... Arsenal, they're a team under great pressure to deliver. And I know I had this conversation with Danny the other night. It, it's a fan base as well that isn't particularly happy, uh, wants to see bigger money being spent on players. And I understand that with the, the prices that they pay to get into the Emirates Stadium. Uh, you know, they feel as if they're paying top dollar and getting dimes in, in return. Uh it's going to be a very difficult environment for a young player to settle into. And Aaron still is a young player. So I do just wonder about that. I think the other concern for me as well is that, and this is almost uh, a, a byproduct of losing the Premier League status. It's a big amount of money for Sheffield United first off. Obviously, some of that goes back to Bournemouth. You think they've probably made about 10 million profit on the deal before that money goes back. I just wonder, even then, is if they, you know, long term, they're going to find themselves down on the deal, and that's not a dig. I think, you know, because they've got to deal with reality. This, this is the reality of being a Championship club. When a when a Premier League team and a big Premier League team, by the way, comes in for one of your players, they're going to try and sign somebody. It initially looks on loan. That will come with a loan fee. There'll be wages involved. That will eat into that profit, and then there will come a point when they're going to have to sign a permanent replacement. They're going to hope that they're going to be signing a permanent replacement as a Premier League football club. The market is going to, the transfer market that is, is going to have recovered by that point, you would have thought. It's going to have shaken off the after effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. So that's going to cost to bring in somebody of, of comparable quality. And, you know, you would think that's going to cost them an awful lot more than what's left out of that £10 million. Danny, hopefully we've got you back now, mate. Obviously, initially, we were hearing 
40 million, 35 million up front for Ramsdale. It's 24. Have the club been, I don't want to use the word ripped off, but could, you know, like James alluded to that, could they have got better money? Um, yes, there's a simple answer to that. I think, I think that obviously this is saying this as someone who the responsibility to fund the football club is not on my shoulders. So I understand the fact that it's easy for me to sit here and go, you shouldn't have sold him. You know, you should have held out for this, should have held out for X and Y. Um, I think the situation, first of all, I said, I think I said on the podcast last week, credit to Sheffield United for holding out this far because I think there's a suspicion amongst the fan base that in previous years, Aaron would have been an Arsenal player significantly earlier this summer than he might, you know, than he, than he looks like he will turn out to be. Um, I think that situation rapidly changes when the player himself expresses an interest in leaving. I think it's, it's the easiest thing in the world to say we're not selling a player when he has no interest in leaving. I think when that starts to change, and that's no slight on Aaron at all, by the way, because this is a move that I don't think any, you know, any any of us would turn down if they had the chance. Um, when that situation starts to change, then I think the whole the whole move becomes a lot easier from Arsenal's point of view. So, you know, as James said, there it was always inevitable unless. United bounced back at the first attempt and, you know, big changes came into the football club that Aaron was always going to leave at some point. Uh, I think it was always a case of of when rather than if. Um, I just worry that for all, for all the points that James made very, very well there, that, you know, now any, any, any club they approach for a replacement will know that they have 20, 24 million pounds in the pocket. Any player that was just plucking a number out of the air any player that was 10 million pounds before is now 15 20 million pounds any player who wanted 20 grand a week before now wants 30 you know they've made everything a hell of a lot more awkward for themselves in terms of the getting someone in this window so the alternative is to go down the loan market and then you have the problems that james mentioned before you know eventually you will need to find your own goalkeeper which is how united ended up with aaron the two years with Dean Henderson, you are just kicking the can down the road, aren't you? With a, with a loan signing. So, um, yeah, if it, you know, there, there's always a, a what if. I, I look back a couple of years, Jordan Pickford, in probably similar circumstances, went to Everton for 25, 30 million quid. That was five years ago. So, football's moved on a hell of a lot. And, you know, looking at England's fourth choice goalkeeper, Twenty-four million pound. It seems it's a lot of money for Sheffield United. You know, we mentioned this when they were, went into the Premier League and started signing players. You know, it sounded like a lot of money for Sheffield United. But in terms of the wider footballing world, you know, football's moved on a hell of a lot. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, that, that that money is is peanuts. But I think we've touched on before with Aaron as well. I would fear for him if he, you know, is is getting pelters now from Arsenal fans. And he's, he's not kicked the ball for them. If he, I think we touched on this on Wednesday night, didn't we, James? If he yeah. goes to the Emirates and has a start like he did when he came to Sheffield United, it's just, it's a different level. You know, it, it, by his own admission, he struggled mentally with that. That with that, that, fini that finishes him at the Emirates Stadium. Yeah, it absolutely the, finishes him. Yeah, the, the scrutiny and everything is just that, mm. I think, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer mentioned that, didn't he? When Dean went back to, to Manchester United, you know, the, the mistakes, the, the, the rare mistakes he made at Sheffield United, 
they're amplified so much at Old Trafford just because of the sheer scrutiny he's under. I feel that that'll be the same for Aaron at the Emirates. So for his sake, I hope that you know he, he can hit the ground running when he, when his move is finally confirmed. I was going to say he might he might well go there and be and I really hope he does. You know, and he's certainly got the capability to do it, and clearly the mental strength to do it. I, you know, he, he might go there and be a roaring success <laughs> on the on the yeah. flip. There's just as much chance of that. I I just make one point, Steve. I think when 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 I was talking about the money that Sheffield United have got, listen, yeah, they they clearly had a valuation forty million pounds. I, I, I'm not saying I think they they could have got more money. I think the way they could have got more money was to still be a Premier League club. I think the move would have probably been inevitable then as well, because there's a pecking order within the within the Premier League. And Arsenal would clearly be way above Sheffield United in terms of that order. I think if they had still been a top uh, flight club, they would have obviously been able to get a lot closer to their to their valuation. The real game changer, as Danny quite rightly said, was was Aaron. I think not just expressing an interest in going. I think saying I want to go and making it clear that he wanted to go. And you know that that really does weaken their negotiating position. Obviously, you know it's. The players still do hold most of the power in football. They can make it very awkward for football clubs in this situation. We've seen a few instances of that recently. Uh, and I think the minute a player says, I want to go, which is clearly what has been said behind the scenes, uh, I think it then becomes about getting the best reduced price, if you want to put it like that, as, as, as possible. All things considered then, James... Can we expect a new number one in this window? And with the Ronaldo Vieira deal now off, are we likely to see another midfielder as well? Uh, they certainly need one. Uh, they cer- well, they certainly need both. So, I mean, the the, the Ronaldo Vieira thing. I I just listen. I I am going to criticise at this point. I just shake my head with that because. The kid has been in this country for the best part of two weeks now. At which point, there's one or two things here. Either somebody at Sheffield United hasn't done their homework on him or somebody in the players' camp hasn't relayed the required information because he's been in this country for a long time now and they have only it has only just been discovered that he has an injury issue and another unrelated issue as well. I I, I just find that really difficult to fathom. I I really do. Uh, I mean, that's that's what the situation is. I'm not, I'm not disputing that, but I, I I do just roll my eyes at that. I'm sorry. There's there's no other way of of, of talking about that. I think that's been really poorly handled. And as I say, I think somebody has either pulled somebody else's pants down, or there's been a real lack of experience in terms of of, of putting that deal together. So that 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 is ridiculous. I'm 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 amazed there's not been more criticism amongst supporters about that. By the way. Uh, but yes, they, they they clearly do need to bring one in because Slavisa wouldn't have been wanting a midfielder in the first place if he didn't think there was a need for one. I think the real shame about that Vieira deal is he would have been absolutely perfect for that role right at the back, just in front of the back four in the midfield, absolutely tailor-made for that. 
And this is the thing about bringing in new players as well and what it does for those around them. Going right back to the top of this podcast, Steve, because I think had Vieira come in, you would have seen him take up that position. That would have freed up Ollie Norwood to move out into a, into a wider role where you, you kind of played him at Fulham. And I think that would have freed him from the shackles of having, you saw it at West Brom the other night, two great, you know, lumps of footballers bearing down on him, pressing him hard. You know, I'd, he, he would have been able to play. He would have been able to show his creativity and, and become the Ollie Norwood that we all know he can become had Vieira come in. So it's not just, you know, improving one position. It, that, it improves players around them. And that would have been a fresh start for Ollie Norwood as well, if you see what I mean, in terms of the job he's been asked to do. So that would have mentally helped him as well. Uh, they do need a new goalkeeper. Uh, I hope Wes Fodringham starts against uh, Huddersfield this weekend. I'll probably go into the reasons why shortly. But yeah, clearly they they need new players, and they've they've got to get they've they've got to bring them in. They've got to bring them in, and they've got to be the ones that either the manager wants or that the manager feels and looks at their names and looks at their qualities and capabilities and thinks, yes, they can add something to this team. On to Huddersfield then. Uh, they've had a mixed start results-wise, four points from the first three, but probably about what, what you would expect from them. Danny, as a, a South Yorkshire Sheffield native, how much do you put on these Yorkshire derbies? Is, is there any anything in this one? Um, I don't think there's anything on top of the fact that you know, they need they need a win, don't they? They need a goal, they need a win. You know, I can't imagine, um, you know, when the fixture list came out, the likes of Fleck and Norwood were searching for Huddersfield Town. With, with all, I mean that with all due respect uh, to them, you know, I think there's bigger games on the calendar than than ones like this. Um, but in terms of United's start to the season, to flip the question on, on its head, you know, I think it's a, it's a huge game. Uh, not because of the opponents, just because of the situation that United find themselves in. You know, I think it's a good opportunity, if that's the right word. With again, with all respect, to get those, to get that first win on the board. You know, it's a game that you'd probably target looking at because it's, it's been a difficult start for the season. You know, I think you, you can't look past that. You know, Birmingham, Swansea, and West Brom is not the easiest start to the season you'll ever see. Uh, so this might well be a game that a lot of United fans looked at. Maybe not to get the first win or the first goal. Um, but maybe, you know, to ease themselves into the season a little bit. On the flip side, if, you know, things continue in the vein they did on Wednesday night, I really fear for the kind of atmosphere in the ground. You know, I think it could very easily become quite toxic. You know, you forget that these fans have not been in the grounds. I know we've talked about that in the past, but they've not been in the ground for 18 months now when United have really struggled. They've not been able to kind of vent that frustration, uh, which I think is contributed to it building up and up and up over the last few weeks. So I really do fear that if they don't start on the on the front foot, uh, I really fear for the kind of atmosphere that we could be uh, we could be in for. James, I'll uh, I'll let you get off your chest whatever you want to say about the goalkeepers now. But as well as that, can you let us know whether you think there's going to be a change again in the forward line? Uh, I, I, I would imagine so. Uh, because I still think He's searching for the best, the best combination up there, uh, and I think one of the reasons why he's still searching is because there isn't a centre forward at that football club at the moment, and I think they'd all privately admit this. Who's really made themselves undroppable? Uh, 
you know, what one it's all very well managers making decisions. And yes, managers do ultimately have to make the decision, but sometimes you actually want as a manager, I'm guessing you actually want players who are going to make a decision for you as well. And I think that's something that's not happened uh for probably quite a long time now uh at the at the football club. Listen, in terms of the goalkeeper, I understand why they played Michael Verips on Wednesday night. He's a big lad. He's six foot five. And I think if you look at the way West Brom play and you look at the uh, threat they were going to pose from long throws and set pieces, I think I would have probably been tempted to to put Michael in there ahead of, of Wes Fodringham too. I say tempted because... I think the one thing that sometimes gets overlooked about Wes, he's not the tallest of goalkeepers. Do you know what? He might not be the best goalkeeper out there. But the one thing that that kid has got is bottle. He's played in an awful lot of old firm games for Rangers. And I think to even pull on and rep the, the jersey and represent a club like Rangers. I don't care what the, I don't care they were in the championship when he first went there. I think to even spend time at a football club like that, to to survive and be able to swim in that goldfish bowl, that takes, listen, I'll say it, we can stick a sensitive content thing on this. That that takes bloody big balls, that it does. And I don't think Wes would have been quite as phased by the atmosphere uh, as I think Michael was and by the, the situation on, on Wednesday night. And as Danny said, it's going to be, it's not the biggest game of Sheffield United season this in terms of the, the opposition. It's, it's not the biggest game of the season for Huddersfield, I wouldn't have thought either. But I think for both clubs, it's an absolutely pivotal game. And I think they both need to win it. I don't think Sheffield United are going to get bullied in this. I think if they do get bullied, we've got serious problems by Huddersfield. It's not the way Huddersfield play. Uh, but they... They need a win. They need a win. Uh, and you know what? I actually think for their for their confidence, I think they need a good win as well. You know, I'm not saying stick four or five past the opposition, but to to come off that pitch and think, you know what? They're, yeah, we, we we were in control of that from the off. Danny, final question for you: Can we expect the first goal of the season on Saturday? Yes. I'm putting, putting my putting my neck on the line there. You're risking it all. Yeah, come back to me next week when that inevitably has been proved wrong or right. But yeah, it's got to come sooner or later, on it? And in front of a packed full house at Bramall Lane, what better time? Definitely. Well, that brings us to an end for this week. So thanks to everyone for listening. And as always, we welcome any feedback. Until next time, and don't forget you can subscribe to our content for just £1 a month until the end of August. Visit the star.co.uk forward slash sport forward slash subscriptions. Thank you.